Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We are an Acts 2.42 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through his word and by his spirit. We are this morning carrying on through the different elements of the Apostles' Creed. And when Nick said, are you all right to do one of the... I was like... I've been trained to always say yes. Do you have that conviction that when when actually you want to go, no, yes. But then when he said it's Holy Spirit, and I thought, oh, yeah, that's good. I love talking about the Holy Spirit. And um, I'm actually, as Pentecostals, in case you're wondering (laughs) what you are part of, it is a Pentecostal church. We are Assemblies of God. We are Pentecostals. Um, which by its sort of definition has an emphasis on the Holy Spirit. And I am fourth, well, part of my lineage is fourth generation Pentecostal. There's all sorts happening in the rest of my ancestry, but part of it is Pentecostal. You see, we worship God, Spirit, Father and Son, and the Spirit is an equal part of that. You see, this morning... I. I was thinking about what to do, and I I sensed that I didn't really want to talk in points that then got quite complex. I actually just want to talk about the Spirit, just talk about him, talk about him through the Bible. And I love talking about him through the Bible. Um, In that life group this week, actually, we we were going through a book called Whisper, And in it, it said this amazing phrase that really caught me. It was said that the Holy Spirit is both sides of the page. Because the Holy Spirit breathed inspiration to the the men or women that wrote it. And the Holy Spirit is within us as we read it. So the Holy Spirit is both sides of the page. The Holy Spirit is God. In Corinthians 2 goes through many things that have been revealed to the people writing everything down and what was spoken at the time. And they said that these things are revealed by his spirit, by God's spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Nobody knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And that actual essence of the thoughts of God, the Spirit of God, the Son of God, it shouldn't surprise us that God is a relationship, that he himself is a relationship. If you think about the creation that he's created, his fingerprint is relationship. From the cosmic dance of the, of the planets around the sun, of the sun in the cosmic year as it circles, as the, as the electrons within our cells circle the nucleus, as everything is in a dance, as there's ecosystems, and the more that we understand about creatures, we understand they're in relationship with each other, they're in relationship with their environment, their environment's in relationship with them, they're in relationship with other species, you touch one, you touch them all. And the Holy Spirit being that 
that relationship with the Father and the Son and that we have an invitation into that relationship is just awesome. And the fact that you have the transcendence of God and when we fully understand, which we can't while we're on earth, that, that amazing power and awesomeness of creation of God and the fact that he is also intimate is just so incredible. The spirit, you see, was active in creation. He was active in creation and the inspiration of scripture. In Genesis 1-2, it says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the spirit of the deep, and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Because remember, when it says spirit of God, that's the Holy Spirit. When it says Holy Ghost, that's the Holy Spirit. It's the same thing. I didn't realize that for a while. That's why I'm saying it. You see, last week, we were in kids. We were talking about the life of Jesus, and we created a timeline you know, and it started born in Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph. And the ch- we were making pieces of paper, we were setting a timeline. And, um, you know, and they were great, and we, we did, made this timeline. But the whole point of it was I wanted the timeline to go backwards. I wanted it to say, look, he was there. Jesus was there when the world was created. So was the Spirit. Jesus was there before the earth was created. So was the Spirit. So was the Father. And into the future, they are the Alpha and Omega. They are the beginning and the end. And it's amazing, the Spirit, just how he is in the Bible, active in the conception of Jesus. In Luke 1.35, the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And there you can see the plan is God the Father. The one who acts it out in that moment is the Holy Spirit, and the one who comes to earth is the Son. And there they are all acting together. The Spirit convicts the world of sin and testifies about Christ. John 15, 26, when the advocate comes, that's the spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. I think sometimes we underestimate that, the fact, the role that the spirit plays. I remember um, some years ago, um, a, a woman that I became friends with who came into church and, uh, you know, when you sat over coffee and she's sort of explaining sort of the, the different things she's been to prison for and the, <laughs> it's just, and she's, and, and, but she's, we're just building this great friendship, but at different points I could, you know, I could have sat there and sort of said, well, you're still sort of doing this and you're still living like this and, you know, that, and I, and I really felt like, the spirit in me saying, just like literally, I just never felt it was the right thing to say. And then over the weeks, we'd meet for coffee, she'd come to church, she was loving to read a Bible, and she went, Lisa, am I right? But I've kind of got this thought that, that I shouldn't really be living with him, and, that, and Lisa, I've got this thought this week that maybe I shouldn't be doing that. And, and I'm like... She, she was like, am I right? And I said, yes, I think you are, yes. And then we would like explore it. 
How gently does the Holy Spirit convict of sin? How beautifully gently. I mean, sometimes if you ignore him, I feel like sometimes you can get quite like, no, Lisa, come on. But how gently, particularly with those that are broken. It's just so wonderful. You see, it's... Our, our faith is not about making bad people good. It's about making dead people alive. It's about transformation. And it's amazing the Holy Spirit does that. He brings that transformation. Now, you see, as a good Pentecostal girl, I got baptized in water, age nine. I actually remember the water being so high. It was my dad baptized me. He actually had to bring me out of the water a bit in order to put me under the water a bit. And then he held me and my feet still weren't on the floor. I was like, Dad, down a bit. Because <laughs> I'm still there in my feet. And he had to like lower me down again so I could actually put my feet down to stand up. But the same year, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. And... You see, I will go on, well, I'll, I'll talk about tongues first, actually. It says in Acts, when, play, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Prophesied, sorry. So, at that moment when I was speaking in tongues, I will go on about the other gifts as well. This is just one of them. Um, it's just been an amazing feature that I've had as part of my walk and I do encourage you this morning if that's not something you've ever explored that we will have a little time later for that exploration so one of the really interesting stories that I had from that was actually Jackie Pullinger when she was in Hong Kong in the walled city and she was in a really really dark area and she was doing her best she was you know the, there was triad gangs there were drugs there was prostitution there was violence and whatever she did in her own strength it never moved and she hadn't grown up in a pentecostal tradition but she decided at 15 minutes a day she set a timer 15 minutes a day i shall speak in tongues and so every day for 15 minutes, she spoke in tongues. And she says that that transformed the work from that moment on. You see, when she didn't know what to pray using her head, you see, for me, I feel like it's a way of praying that bypasses my emotions. It bypasses my wisdom. It bypasses my understanding. And it's communicating with my father is communicating almost the groans of your own soul I do remember sometimes um, speaking in tongues and I have this one really vivid picture of I don't I can't I, I've got a vague idea of what was happening in my life at the time but I remember just being absolutely devastated by something and I remember ironing and just praying in tongues and praying in tongues and praying in tongues. And sometimes I know when work's got bad, I've prayed in tongues all the way to work. Because I've been like, I cannot do this on my own. I need your strength. Also, I'm really bad at remembering lyrics. So sometimes it's really handy. If my hands are raised and my eyes are shut, 
and my mouth is moving, I am speaking in tongues because I cannot remember any words of any song. It's also really good to be able to sing and sing and sing and let your heart sing without the words. But there are other spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Did you know we're all individuals and very different? How boring it would be if we were all the same. But there are different gifts. And sometimes I feel like... what One confusion I had, I think, as a child was that the Holy Spirit was out there and at that moment that you get baptised in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is also in here at the point of salvation. So there is a baptism in the Holy Spirit, but there is also the Holy Spirit that you already know. He's already there. And it's about actually recognising his work in you. Like, for example, um, discernment. I remember, I remember a time being in places where we, you know, a decision has to be made and one person has actually said, no, we should not do this. And they've discerned something about someone else. And there's also the times like when um, Nick and I decided to move to Warrington and we were like, we were adamant we were leaving, we wanted to leave. Nick believed that we had to leave before his wife went mad. I was going mad. <laughs> I was just desperate. I was, de- I was in a point of real desperation. And, but we, it was a Thursday. And Nick, I asked him last night, I said, can you just remind me exactly what happened with you? And so he said that he'd been praying and going through and making lists of all the different places we could move, different churches, and then crossing them off the list and adding things on the list and really just working it through in a practical way. And God said to him, you're staying. I remember um, that same afternoon, um, I was, again, I'd made my mind up, I was definitely leaving. And then I just saw, like, pictures of the people who were there in Newark come before me and I felt a love for them and I felt God say you're staying there are things that there's things that they still need to experience and there's a work still be, to be done and I was an, an amazing piece and then actually the two of us then sort of bumped, you know sort of bumped into each other like when we got home from work and um and Nick said to me, we've got to stay. And I went, yeah, no. And God was so kind. At the same afternoon, he told us both the same thing. As we were both so very adamant, I think he knew what kind of argument it would cause if he only told one of us. You see? <laughs> Just saying. He knows us very well. And you see, those gifts are to serve for the common good, and we need to be power-filled. We need to be power-filled. It was funny, Sue's not here this morning. She's on like an art retreat. She's painting. <laughs> I hope she's okay with me mentioning her. Anyway, so she, I said to her, I said, oh, I said, you're missing next week then. That's me preaching. She said, oh, what are you preaching on? I said, the Holy Spirit. She was like, do you know what she said? Our church was full of really, really lovely people. 
But don't we all need more power? I went, you're right, Sue. We don't we though? I do, absolutely. You know, if I, if you know, if you, just more power to actually ask for knowledge, words of knowledge, faith, the gift of faith, the gift of healing, the gift of prophecy, the gift of discernment, the gift of tongues. How much we should be seeking those things. It is the spirit that decides how they're distributed. But if we don't ask and we're not open, there's also the fruit of the spirit which should shape Christian character. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. People are attracted to Christian communities that have the fruit as the evidence of the Holy Spirit. What they do is they feel like they've come home because they recognize the Spirit through these aspects of the Spirit. And there may be one of them that you think, actually, that's one that God is still working at me in. And that's okay. But again, just pray into that. The Spirit guides, teaches, comforts, intercedes for believers. In Romans 8, it says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So the Spirit knows the will of God, and he, he in wordless groans, at those moments where you are the deep, I know the moments I've been the deepest in grief, the Holy Spirit has been interceding for me. Jesus prays for us, the Spirit prays for us, and they intercede because they know the will of the Father. I mean, we pray, but we haven't got as clear an understanding of the will of the Father, but they do, and they're praying on your behalf. So right now, if you have a weakness or a need... Just rest in, the mo in this moment knowing that the Spirit is praying for you. In wordless groans, praying for you right now. The Spirit-filled living includes joyful praise and walking in holiness. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Like this morning when Jeremy led us in a moment of really focusing on that, confessing our sins. It's, it's important that we understand that. If you imagine uh, you know, a, a child who hasn't been properly um, brought up so that they're, they're, they're a young child and they have some concerning behaviors that's what you call it in school concerning behaviors that's the proper term we have some concerning behaviors 
and they don't understand authority, and they don't, and uh, you know, and their and their their manners and their and their un and their unloving and all these things, and they get put into a loving adopted home. So at that moment, they have been adopted. And that's us. We are, at that point, made holy because when God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. So at that moment, that's part of the transformation. You are holy. Now, as that child is in that family, they still have those behaviors, but gradually, gradually, they take on the characteristics of the family. They become loving. They become obedient. They become thoughtful. And that's sanctification. So at that moment, you become lovely, holy, and then through the process of life and allowing that spirit to work, you become sanctified. And I think sometimes the devil is quite happy to remind you of the things that you have already given to God many times for forgiveness, but he's returning and shouting at you guilt. You remind him you are holy because when God looks at you, he sees the holiness of his son. And that actually it's your journey through sanctification that you'll take your on, but that you are forgiven and if at this minute you're thinking yes but you don't know it doesn't matter if you have given it to Jesus he died on the cross it is finished it is done and the spirit gives power for witnessing about Christ but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The early church was empowered by the Spirit of God. It was not an add-on. It was fundamental to everything they did. This is the one that challenges me. To again and again and again praying, God, give me a chance to speak of you. And then my role is to be brave enough to do it and to seize that opportunity. So I have three questions for you this morning, just as I close. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Is there evidence in your life of his work? You see, the original language Paul uses, be filled, is the present progressive tense. Had to read that bit. I should know that better, but because it is, be filled and continually keep being filled. So he says that even though we've received the Holy Spirit at the point of salvation, believers are still to be constantly and continually filled with, controlled and empowered by the same Holy Spirit as a way of life. I'll say that again. Believers are still to be constantly and continually filled with, controlled and empowered by the same Holy Spirit as a way of life. Have you opened your spiritual gifts? 
eagerly desire them. To desire knowledge and faith and healing and prophecy, discernment and tongues. You know, some, I remember, um, sometimes though it's about asking. And I remember a while back, it was a while back. There are more recent ones, but this one just popped into my mind. It was a while back, and I remember being in a meeting. You know, like our Thursday night ones, where we have just worship, and I really encourage you to come to those. They're just so wonderful. Just worship and just resting in God. And after a very busy day at work, and it's a Thursday night, sometimes that's all I can do is rest. But I remember years ago, I was in one, and I I really felt, somebody had mentioned about praying for people, and I thought, I really want to pray for someone to to receive the gift of tongues, to start speaking in tongues. And I looked around the room, because actually at that point, that's me asking for the discernment. If I just sat there and said it, then I'm not really asking, am I? If I actually put my head up and look around and say, God, show me the person that I need to pray with today. And I remember looking around the room and seeing all the people and just not feeling that, that pull that that's the person, and then I saw Ethan, and I'm like, oh, Ethan, who is my son, for those of you that don't know, and, and so I actually thought, oh, why not Ethan? He might feel like, oh, no, I don't want, I thought I'll give him the chance, so, but then I went up to him, and I said, would you like to speak in tongues? He went, yes, and then I prayed for him, and he started speaking in tongues, and I'm like, oh, yeah, how amazing, and I'm, but you see, without that, lift your head up, look around, tell me, who is it? Who do, what do you want me to do? Give me that knowledge, give me the discernment, because I'm not, I'm not being funny. If you're going to pray for someone, a blessing on their lives, what exactly can go wrong? Even if you do that in your own strength, you're praying blessing from God on their lives, you actually can't go wrong. Is the Holy Spirit making you holy? Charles Spurgeon said, Without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without the wind, branches without sap, and like coals without fire. We are useless. <laughs> Let's not be useless. Some, yeah, we know where, our, where the power is, and it is not through our own strength. D.L. Moody said... I believe firmly that the moment our hearts are emptied of pride and selfishness and ambition and everything that is contrary to God's law, the Holy Spirit will fill every corner of our hearts. But if we are full of pride and conceit and ambition and the world, there is no room for the Spirit of God. We must be empty before we can be filled. We must be emptied before we can be filled. But when he, it says in John, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. You see, the spirit brings from God from Jesus and he makes things known to us we've come to the end of this week's message we hope you've been impacted and inspired 
please keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarrington.com.